0: And we're at a moment where sort of all all contradictions are heightened. Byproduct of the crisis of contemporary capitalism, we find ourselves in this week in class politics.
1: Classic fucking boomer. Old New
0: Left maintaining a relations with neoliberalism. Capital!
1: not capital. Don't capital. no capital. <laughs> no no no. Are no! you international? What's on okay.
0: Hello. Uh, welcome back to Doll Capital. You're with me, Jacob, and you're and I'm here with Ben. Hello everyone. Um, so um, this is a little little sneak peek, little teaser episode for you today. Uh, we uh, are just kind of, you know, in the recovery, in the refraction period of the ACT election, um, which was uh, last week on the seventeenth of October, and um, that was a sort of a weekend of, um, you know, a busy electoral weekend. I suppose we had. Here in the ACT, which obviously most people in the world were paying the most attention to. And then um, I remember seeing something about something in New Zealand, something in Bolivia. But um, obviously those aren't the main event, um, as far as I am concerned.
1: Well, I mean, look, as most of our listeners would know, the ACT election um, does trump Bolivia and New Zealand as notable events. But um, for our uh, local and, and international audience that we hope to build, we will probably talk a little bit of elections with this little episode. But uh, yeah, no, look, we did have the ACT election. And and look, we're going to have uh, a bigger ACT election special. What do you think, Jacob, um, in terms of it being a win for the left, the ACT election?
0: Yeah, I think overall, it has to be said that that's what it was. Um, So the big headline, I would say, coming out of it is uh, the Greens result. Um, which the Greens have walked away um, tripling their um, representation. So um, that's something we'll be um, examining with Amy Haddad, who will be our guest on our next episode when we get properly into detail on the ACD election. Um, Beyond that, Labor returned to government, but has basically, I think, held... It's lost one of its seats. Is that right? Um, Or they lost one uh, MLA in Gordon Ramsay, uh, otherwise have been sort of seat neutral. Um, And they've lost... Uh, Becote and Murrumbidgee as well, but gained one elsewhere. Uh, gained one in Murrumbidgee, sorry. So, yeah, numbers-wise, Labor have basically been pretty stationary, um, while the Libs copped a bit of a hiding, didn't they? They
1: sure did. Uh, the Liberal vote went down. They had a over a 3.5% swing, uh, despite the fact that there's been a Labor-led coalition government of one form or another for 19 years. Uh, look, so do um, make sure you you subscribe. To this show mm. you can just subscribe on itunes and we'll have that act election special coming up we're going to be talking about uh you know was it a win for the left um, national and, and territory uh, factors for the election outcomes we'll be talking about campaign strategies and tactics and what can we um, learnt from that experience we also want to have a talk about you know are there any national implications for Australian politics. But I think in particular, we're most interested on dull capital, on opportunities for democratic socialists to help shape what happens in the electoral process where in our community, but also elsewhere. Uh, so, you know, we're interested in party democracy as well. Does the result have a, an, um, a meaningful um, impact on how party democracy is going to play out in the ACT Labor or even the Greens, who um, demonstrated some interesting democratic processes with um, the election result. Uh, and we'll be talking about where to uh, for democratic socialists. Or with Amy Haddad, our special guest, who's a long-time Labor and union activist. And Amy has had extensive experience in roles across ACT Labor um, for some time. So mm. do stay tuned to that uh, next episode.
0: That'll be great. Uh, but for the time being, um, why don't we turn uh, and spend the rest of this little mini episode um, just chatting about... Some of those other minor um, footnotes on the weekend of the ACT election, that being New Zealand. Firstly, where um, Jacinda Arderns walked away with a, a massive win. It looks like they've done incredibly well.
1: Yeah, look superficially, you could probably actually go and paint a brush and say that the left internationally had a had a big win. Mm. New Zealand, the, the left one in in New Zealand, the left one in Bolivia. Uh, and the left one, the ACT, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, paramount on most people's minds. <laughs> Maybe it is the corporate media conspiracy that uh, the BBC World News did not cover the ACT election result, nor did many of the mainstream uh, media outlets in Australia cover the ACT election result. Uh, but New Zealand, yes, interesting result there. Uh, more so because of the size of the win. It looked fairly... Um, it looked fairly... Predictable that Adern's led uh, the Adern-led uh, New Labour government would win uh, the election, but to win outright in their party system was a pretty amazing result. In terms of being a, a win for the left, I think is a bit more complicated. Absolutely, that.
0: yeah. Um, so first thing that comes to mind is uh, the you know the question of is this sort of an endorsement of uh, a Um, social democratic approach to to governance or is it more about maybe Adern's personal popularity of course she um, did gain a lot of popularity um, after her handling of the the Christchurch massacre um, and she kind of came to pretty worldwide uh, acclaim as well during that um the sort of aftermath of that and then of course um you know new zealand's being held up especially in a lot of liberal media outlets as a um a, a you know case study in like how to handle the the coronavirus um response which you know not necessarily a, a great example given yeah the size the demographics and uh yeah the location of new zealand but um nonetheless i think it being an island going to yeah. <laughs> What are you going to like do? Like Australia. Australia's hmm. an island as well. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Um, but so, Ben, like I, I guess I've always kind of thought of um, New Zealand Labour, including under Ardern, as, as kind of a Blairite Labour Party. So is this really like a, um, a, a left-wing victory?
1: Look, superficially there's, um, we could say that it was a win for, I, I think we probably the more accurate way to call it would be to say it's a, it's a win for progressive politics. Uh, is it a win for the left? Um, probably it is an opportunity for the left in New Zealand to be more robust in their program, in their policies that they want to put up. Uh, the New Zealand Greens um, did quite well, is my understanding from what my, my reading of the situation there. But the, I think the result does um, provide a lot of confidence for activists who are looking for a more um, progressive agenda. Um, the sad reality is Labour's platform that they're, their manifesto that they ran on uh, was quite conservative, really very modest. I think um, it's not it's not a reactionary um, document. Their manifesto by any means, but it is not the sort of radical or um, even uh, <laughs> transformative sort of um, platform that you would expect. Uh, from other uh, Labor Labor parties. It certainly wasn't the sort of manifesto that you could compare with the UK Labor uh, under Jeremy Corbyn, for example. But at the same time, it's certainly not the caricature with um, liberals or smaller liberals in Labor in the UK or Australia or uh, basically the right (laughs) of of the Australian Labor movement who are quite happy to embrace Ardern as as one of theirs. Uh, Lots of people love Ardern for for, um, for their own causes. But I think if you actually... um, Look at what was actually on offer. It's um, not particularly radical, nor is it at the same time uh, a complete, um, you know, yay capitalism uh, uh, victory. Uh, Ardern has n- n- has been on the record of, of saying a number of things very critical of, of capitalism, and they, the New Zealand um, Labour Party have brought out some pol- um, policies that have had a had an attempt at trying to. Um, improve some of the situations in New Zealand um, sadly though uh, poverty and uh, inadequate housing heating um, things like that have been a, a real concern for uh, the working people and poor in New Zealand New Zealand also has some uh, very low uh, rates of pay they still have not um, really structurally come to terms with what the national led government or the uh, we'd call them Tories or liberals if you like the The Nationals, which is the main um, um, party, uh, the the, the main party of opposition or party of government, um, who dominated New Zealand politics for a very long time with a very neoliberal agenda, which really did play havoc on um, the situation that people have still, you know, decades now are are still suffering from. So, uh, yes, win for progressive politics, win for socialism, no, Mm, but there's mm. an opportunity there for. I think people for to um,
0: push for a more radical agenda Mm. so if that was like you know a disappointing um, you know platform or manifesto whatever they're calling it in in NZ it kind of raises for me the question of uh, when is the opportune moment for socialist activists within a social democratic party to really you know make their voices heard and to try to to you know um, try to exert some influence over over like central party policy I think that the um, the UK Labour example um, is quite clear that it was it it was necessarily you know when Labour had been out of office for a long time um, and party me- the party membership particularly was looking for some 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 renewal um, that um, momentum and and Corbyn's kind of section of the party were able to really you know exert a huge influence on the platform and then that that twenty seventeen manifesto which was certainly like historically the most um, the most progressive uh, manifesto or platform of any social Democratic party in the Anglosphere um, or you know major social democratic in the Anglosphere um, has ever put out so um, on the other hand you know for example in Canberra here we've got a very long-term um, entrenched labor government that is certainly not going anywhere um, uh, as evidenced by the most recent results. Um, maybe that's something we'll have to get into um, when we chat to Amy about um, the ACT election. Is um, yeah, um, what's the role for just generally in these social democratic parties? What's what's the what's the role and what what are the opportunities that the left should be looking for um, as they engage with their parties in their in their democratic processes?
1: Yeah, push harder. Mm. I think is um, push harder and and organise to push harder. Uh, it shows that sometimes there can be opportunities where the leaders of a social democratic force or a liberal force that is sort of regarded as the mainstream Uh, the respectable opposition or the respectable party of government, that there is an opportunity there for socialists to cut across that. And I think the the New Zealand situation, while not being... um, Comparisons with UK are uh, are difficult because UK has uh, a really terrible electoral system. They have voluntary voting, but it gets worse in the sense it's, um, you know, first-past-the-post, it's just put an X on a party. Um, That helps entrench Tory rule in the UK. Whereas New Zealand, in the um, I think it was in the early 90s, they adopted a, a multi-party uh, assembly, and what that means is that Labour has um, been uh, until now has been unable to form government by itself. Um, I don't even think the Nationals are even able to do that by themselves. But there was always a, a conservative force, or uh, New Zealand First, for example, a populist right-wing party that were quite happy to form governments with uh, with um, other parties in the past. Um, so because they've got a multi-party electoral system, that is definitely a difference. Um, that's one thing to consider. I, I guess the other thing about um, New Zealand is that I think the, it's kind of a, the, the situation for New Zealand Labour is I, I think they moved um, more to the centre in a, a sort of a progressive head uh, space um, as opposed to um, wanting to identify themselves of a harder left um, uh positions on things um, having said that um some commentators talk about the fact there's an interesting um almost say almost regard as organic um collaboration that goes on between green party and labor party activists on the ground mm. um you hear stories of green party new zealand green party and labor party activists will look after each other's electoral signs and, and yeah, things right. like that so, sadly that's not reflected um, sort
0: of further up at the um the sort of top levels of parties of the, their candidates and their uh yeah their staff and yeah
1: well, it's something that doesn't necessarily like uh it sounds like it's a far more um positive sort mm-hmm. of thing may even um, you know it, it has an inroads in terms of how they organize things which is something very foreign to, to the way we we do things in australia even in the act where um there's often a you know quite silly uh, antipathy towards people from
0: yeah um, but i'd say even like at that at people, the bottom level at mild. the grassroots level of, of of volunteers um it's better much better mm, yeah but things like for example um there was a particularly Unedifying display that we saw a couple of weeks ago with uh, in the Queensland yeah. election. Um, there was uh, a candidate uh, and um, staff, and uh, including some also some federal members um, piling onto a, a Greens volunteer over a satirical tweet, for example, um, and trying to attack each other. Like you know, um, federal politicians trying to attack each other over it, and their endorsements or non endorsements of the the offending yeah. tweet, etc., etc. But honestly, like at the yeah at the bottom level, at the level of actual membership and volunteers, I would say you never you don't see stuff like that. You don't see much. that. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I, I recommend um, listeners and I know, look, I was actually really heartened to hear we, we'd had so many downloads um, over the last little while we've been doing this this podcast. Yeah, we, we cracked the hundo, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had over 121 or Lovely. something when I looked at the other week. And, Thank you, listeners. Thanks and, for tuning in. Well, considering that we initially thought that we we're maybe talking to 30 people, yeah. um, we've done a lot better than that. Yeah. We, we achieved our target, and hello to our regular yeah. listeners, most of um, and the ones we've never met before, because uh, originally we thought we, it was a way to communicate with people who we, uh, who we know and respect, mm. and um, uh, where people actually sort of enjoyed the idea of having a listen to Jacob and Old Man Halliday have a... Uh, I like mean, then have have a bit of a uh, wrangle, but hopefully, be a little bit ag- agitational for mm. them uh, to get us through. So, mm. well, now it's gone to our heads, yeah. um,
0: and we're going to be incessantly selling you mattress products, um, you know, Viagra, all kinds of stuff. Definitely. So, tiers of membership. Get ready for that. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, big member, little member,
1: mm-hmm. uh, tiny member. Uh, yeah, yep. it's going to be it's going to be huge.
0: Oh, before we move on, yeah. there's one other thing I was thinking. I'm interested in what you think about this, but it's maybe to a lesser extent, um, applies to Bolivia too. But something I thought about, the uh, effect of the New Zealand, the Labour victory in the New Zealand election in Australia. Um, Do you think there might be some sort of objective change in in Australia as far as, like, we know, of course, that big social democratic parties like the Labour Party rely on a kind of um, collaboration between, you know, trade unions, working class people, and the kind of progressive, professional, you know, elite yeah know, in, in the in our country white collar professional um, yeah. yeah um my guess is that the a big resounding victory for new zealand labor what it does do is it puts a, a bit of momentum um into those social democratic parties like our labor party um because it probably you know creates good feelings for these uh, a lot of these kind of you know um liberal professional class um people who maybe find themselves. Voting to pick a winner, um, or or maybe just you know um, like the idea of um, voting for the, like Labour parties, but find them to be maybe unrealistic prospects for governance or, or whatever. Mm. Um, that this is a small thing, but I think that uh, big wins like the New Zealand one, where you have uh, what is it like mainly a a Liberal professional party um, having having big success, that it it's a good thing in that it does sort of create some momentum for the. Uh, the labour movement generally in the anglosphere, you know. Yeah,
1: in a roundabout way. I mean, look, it's positive, mm-hmm. but we've got to remember that there's different motivations for people who look for to a to a win uh, in another country as um, uh, for inspiration, mm-hmm. so to speak. And it's something like socialists have always looked to um, uh, look to internationalism as a as a way to, it's um, part of the critique, we uh, have a critique that there's an international worldwide system called capitalism and then creates a working class, as uh, Karl Marx would talk about, the grave diggers of the system is uh, are, are the working class and the working class is everywhere around the world. Mm-hmm. Now, for us as socialists, I think we look to the Adirn victory and say, well, that's nice, that's good, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. There, what we'd really like to see, all best, uh, all the best in solidarity with those in New Zealand who want to see um, their industrial laws changed more, so it's easier for unions to organise. Um, we want to see, uh, who want to see outcomes for the wages in uh, New Zealand to actually, you know, keep up with the cost mm. of living. Um, who want to see a fair taxation mm. system? Uh, New Zealand was one of the earlier countries to bring in a um, what we call a goods and services tax. Um, which is you know a, ta- a VAT tax on a value added tax yeah. if you're from Europe you might call yeah, it yeah a VAT over there um, you know incredibly regressive tax um, there's and like I mentioned the housing There's there's been all sorts of social issues that occasionally someone will, you know, pull their finger out and actually go and look at it and go, well, this isn't great. And if you really, you know, wanted to delve into it, like, well, what has New Zealand Labor done to actually help change that? So, mm, you know, all power much, to those yeah. who, who really want to see more of a shake-up. So yeah. but that's your, the inspiration av- for your us. Your average really.
0: kind of, your average, um, you know, well-heeled swinging voter, I think, uh, does look at the New Zealand election and they go, oh, you know... Um, why can't we have uh, a sort of intelligent, compassionate... Uh, it's all personality-based stuff, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You yeah, know, yeah, a, right. a smart woman, uh, you know, intelligent, compassionate person, a, you know, like a, um, a competent, professional manager of our state affairs. And they look at that and it changes. So it's, it's probably, on the whole, it's a minor victory, but it's good for us in that at least that they can I'd start to... If that's if a the level they're going to engage with politics on, that they might start to engage with it. With us on that level, then Maybe. fine, great.
1: Yeah, no, nah, well, yeah. I mean, that's that's fine. Mm. Uh, it is. Look, I, I, I do find it amusing. It, it'll be the Labor parliamentary, the federal parliamentary Labor um, politicians, the, the ones who wax lyric all about uh, uh, um, um, who. Yeah, you just got to question what are their motivations for you know um, thinking this is all wonderful. Particularly, they try to they go this is wonderful and use it as a mirror back on themselves, mm. um, and that's um, certainly you know I, I'm scratching my head. I was looking at um, just some interesting stuff about the national executive of the ALP recently. As you do, must have been bored. Randomly, I was reminded um, looking at some pre-selection processes and thinking, you know, how is it that we have Um, such an oligarchy that runs, a federal oligarchy that runs um, the federal, well, runs the ALP. That can come in and you know overrule um, state branches, all members of democracy, and yeah. impose candidates and things like that. So we've got a lot to actually do as a movement in this country to be far more democratic, and, and that that probably leads to the point. Um, I don't know much at all about how labour organises this process in New Zealand, yeah. but the fact that it's a multi-party ele- election um, actually points to the fact that you have to um, be very grassroots to get out and do that, yeah. and um what have we got in, in australia and we we know there's some um states in australia normally new south Wales and victoria where it's n- impossible for um you know a genuine volunteer a genuine person who wants to get involved in politics to um to easily become involved and they easily have a say and have a vote because it's run as um, some sort of weird co- uh, conglomerate mm. so um yeah it's it's yeah, it's
0: Well, on that note, maybe we should, uh, move over to probably like the most grassroots of grassroots, uh, democratic socialist, uh, political parties, uh, the MAS, the movement towards socialism in Bolivia. Um, they've had a massive, massive blowout victory, um, in what was, you know, basically the postponed election, um, which happened a year ago approximately. And then, uh, Well, um, do you want to take us through just the very the broad stroke uh, history of what just happened in Bolivia over the last sort of twelve months or so?
1: Yeah. Well, look. Look, this is my look. I'm no my no means an an expert in this area, and other people would be. But my simplistically, uh, the Morales government is a a socialist, a you know democratic
0: socialist Mm, government, sort of a um, a coalition between a massive you know indigenous movement uh, and yeah, like a a a democratic socialist, yeah, yeah, currents.
1: Some people talk about the, uh, I guess a a progressive left in the in the universities. Uh, You know, some people talk about it as basically you have this sort of interesting amalgam of yes, indigenous activists, um, you know, uh, trade unions and Mm. um, professional Mm. academics really sort of forming the the nucleus to that um, movement and really coming off the back of a movement as opposed to just being a political party that won um, last year. Um, well, actually, no. They've been not last year. They've been in power for some time. Yeah, they've been so in power for like fourteen years. Fourteen yeah. years. Look, I mean, they've done some incredible reforms. Like within five years, they've halved, um, you know, they'd halved, they'd halved poverty. Yeah, right? they've literally changed the lives of millions of people. Um, um, made the
0: country completely independent from IMF loans, which before it had been, yeah, obviously, subject to aggressive restructuring programs. Yeah and, um, you know, brutal conditions of austerity as IMF loans typically are um, conditioned upon. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and and look, listeners,
1: I mean, I'm sure a regular listener may also know that uh, it has had, uh, because of colonialisation and then because of the the ruling class that was established in that country, uh, has had a horrific history of using authoritarianism and Mm -hmm. and power over... um, yeah, um, over, over the people there, over mm. workers and over and, and the um, uh, first peoples in um, Bolivia. So, look, basically, uh, because Bolivia was refusing to play by the usual uh, expectations mm-hmm. of the U.S. and other powers, uh, last year the election was held, the... Um, Oh, what is it? It's the Committee of Latin America's... Oh,
0: I'm oh to your, or, or, uh, Organization of American States? Yes, yes. So yes. There's a wonderful body which, yes. which
1: changes its membership quite regularly depending on the electoral fortunes of those particular countries. Mm. Uh, and unfortunately for Bolivia, mm. at <laughs> um, well, so that it's, particular it's sort of time... Set up as a, a,
0: it's sort of set up as a... Sometimes it presents itself as more of like an electoral watchdog, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes it's, it's more of a peak... Body, but I think largely it's not. It's like more of a, an NGO, basically. Um, and so, yeah, they had their election um, late in 2019, uh, and there basically what happened was uh, masks were returned. Um, they had one outright in the initial election without needing for a runoff, but their margin was reduced slightly, and that's usually been attributed to some disputes, basically over uh, the uh, industrialization and nationalization of, of most mostly lithium production uh, yep. as I understand it and that there were some conflicts um, between some of the indigenous groups that make up the core base of um, the mass party which were you know living around these particular industrializing areas um, they were objecting to um, that industrialization encroachment on their lands and um, so legitimate um, grievances for sure um, and that had had a small impact on their overall vote. The second factor, I think, uh, in this sort of apparently, you know, in, in scare quotes, illegitimate election, um, was the fact that legit, uh, that Bolivia has a kind of a somewhat eccentric um, early reporting system where what will happen is there's an unofficial count that happens alongside their regular vote, their actual official count. Um, and the unofficial count will usually just go up until it's quite obvious um, who's won, and then they'll stop counting. And I think what happened was uh, the unofficial count was going on. Um, of course, MASA's support uh, really mostly resides out in rural areas, which count much more slowly. And there was a big jump in the unofficial count. Mm. Basically, a, a bunch of rural areas started reporting in, and um, you know estimated vote total... Um, skyrocketed quite suddenly Um, but their overall vote looked like it was low and so because of these two factors combined together the um, clever people at uh, the Organization of American States um, started putting out press releases saying that there were severe irregularities Irregularities, in this in this count yeah not in the official count in this in the unofficial count, yes and so uh, right wing we call it
1: an e- it's like an official exit poll I basically be, yeah. I
0: think so I think that um, the parties uh, help to administer it it's based on their yeah, exit right. data uh, I don't understand it it's you know it's quite yeah. esoteric but um, basically um, the right-wing forces that represent the kind of you know the bourgeoisie in um, the sort of the commercial bourgeoisie the old you know comprador class and its mm-hmm. descendants as well um, which both exhibit quite intense you know anti-indigenous um christian fascist sentiments Mm. um uh seized the opportunity to declare the election illegitimate uh and meanwhile the military backed them and uh suggested that eva morales um you know uh leave leave bolivia which he eventually did yeah he had which, to get out or
1: yeah. um, was going to be you know locked yeah. up. and And out of that, what we had was the perversity of uh, a whole number of Western nations and to the great disgust of a number of um liberal media outlets all piling on to claim that Morales and Mars had gone and rigged the election and the like. um instead what what happened was, and then sort of calling a, a military coup somehow a legitimate thing. Mm. Uh, to install, empower a political party that gained only eight percent of the vote. Mm. Um, for some really good, I, I highly recommend. Look, I mean, we're fans of Navarro Media. We, we really do enjoy their stuff and and other um, great podcasts and. Um, uh, alternative media outlets out there but I do remember them doing a number of uh, shows about Bolivia mm-hmm. and um, well well worth going and um, checking out their stuff at Nevada yeah, for Media sure. uh,
0: you could also listen to yep. um, Oli Vargas who's an a, a English language journalist um, on the ground, he was did an interview with Will Meneker on Chapa Trap House yep. um, and if you're into the more deep state conspiracy sti- theory style of um, thinking about Latin American history, you could go and listen to the new episode of Death is Just Around the Corner about Bolivia as well. Yeah, I
1: think we'll uh, we'll put some links up Yeah, uh, uh, with, with this episode. And mm. The other one I wanted to mention was a great podcast which has come out of the Tribune magazine, which is the uh, socialist left, um, ALP, well, I don't know what you call it, I guess socialist labor, mm. um, current.
0: Uh, socialist new campaign UK. group, is it affiliated with them? Yeah, I'm not or sure. Not? It's sort of a banner a rag, right? Yeah, it's look.
1: It's it's a hard. It's normally a a, you know a hard hard left Mm -hmm. um, socialist magazine which they've resurrected Mm. in the UK a little while ago. But anyway, they've started a a new uh, podcast uh, under their uh, masthead. Uh, It's called The World Twin, and it's got um, the very well known uh, UK economist Grace Blakely on it, um, Mm -hmm. who. She um, yeah, she's had some extra people on, but I know recently she had the former Bolivian um, foreign minister on, who was actually talking about the situation there prior to the election, and that was well worth listening to. So there's some things there, some ideas she, there, some things to check out. Yeah. So well to win, and we'll put some links yeah. up. But I, but I guess the outcome uh, mm. and, and the what, victory what it's there. Resulted in,
0: um, yeah, like it's the I mean, last twelve months. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you've had this like this illegitimate, uh, intense right wing government uh which as you said had received something like eight or nine percent of the vote in the election last year yeah um and they had put um henny nanez uh the kind of bible bashing christian fascist uh in there as president um, and they've just been allowed to rule uh, with full full powers as, as a supposedly legitimate government for the last twelve months.
1: Yep. support of the US, support yep. of all the other Western nations. Yep. Oh no, nothing to see here, nothing no problems here.
0: Yeah. Um, they, I believe, signed up for a bunch of new IMF loans while they were in power, oh, which is fantastic and disastrous for yeah. Bolivia. Yep. We'll see what happens with that now that Mas has come back into power with a bit. Of, I think a, a real mandate to mm. um, then to you know somehow, if they can, um, wriggle out of those those ims loans and conditions yeah um and 12 months of quite intense violence street protests um the targeting of particularly indigenous people uh who are you know targeted because of their support for mars um and yeah so that's all led up to this election which was repeatedly postponed the um coup government attempted to ban mars from running in the election which is how you know it's a really democratic uh you know movement yes. behind them. um and yeah mass managed to be able to run and, and now they've basically won with a with a huge i think a meaningful increase on their vote on previously victorious vote
1: so yeah and look throwing covid as well uh yeah that was also another factor so um really quite messy stuff over the last um, 12 months why is it interesting Well. I think on the one hand, for, for people who are believers in democracy and human rights, it's, it's worth looking into. But I think with a, a lot of um, countries in Latin America, there are um, so many things you can learn from their experience of organising in communities and um, building alliances and um, building... Um, I guess uh, socialist politics which can be emancipatory but it's also a place where you can also see where things are well not so great too. Um, what's been really exciting I think since the, the 90s and uh, I guess when we first started seeing more of a turn to um, this type of mass parties and um, involvement in um, uh, social movements and shaking up even, you know, workplace sort of situations in a series of latin american countries that's that's been really inspiring uh things for us in, in the left in, the, in australia and elsewhere around the world to, to look at so something that you know keenly have a look at but it's also it's also there's plenty of places too from their, their history as well it's fascinating because we've also seen the way in which um, big imperial powers have used um, that part of the world as their backyard And um, the reactions the left have had to try to grapple with authoritarianism and, you know, imposed US-backed coups and the like, where we're talking Chile or military rule in Argentina or Mm. or the like. We've had the failed experiments of um, uh, Castro and Shea and, you know, sort of the uh well well meaning liberals who went off to form single party dictatorships in Cuba. Um you know, more historical backgrounds there. But I'm sure I'd, there are other people who'd want to have a barney with me about mm. that one. But uh, you know, all all, all all good, um, you know, with that but that's another thing. Speaking of that, I
0: just I just finished reading um the Jakarta method by Vincent Bevins, which, oh, yeah. which goes into it's like sort of all about the um the uh, mass murder of um communist party members in indonesia in 1965 but it also sort of it positions that event in a global global war history mm. um and in the context of, particularly of latin american regime change as well um and the process of the cia and the state department developing its its you know um strategies for creating regime change that doesn't result in um you know, a general perception that there's been regime change. Um, I'd, I'd be
1: keen to, yeah. to, to to check that one out. Yeah, um, yeah no, absolutely. Uh, the the other one, look, it's also that there's the dead end that happened uh, in the in the Cold War, where as a reaction to, I mean. Look, there was a positive thing: the the, the non-aligned movement, uh, which sort of grew out of developing countries, or actually countries who were quite happy to call themselves the third world countries mm-hmm. at the time. Um, they didn't regard it as an insult. No, it was termed pride. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and that that had been led by by Indonesia um, mm-hmm. prior to you know prior to that that horrible um, pogrom. I mean, you know, you can only. The closest thing to describe it that I guess people in the West would understand is is a Holocaust. Is is mm. really you know I'm not not to put it on the the same um, level of the uh, crime uh, committed against the Jewish people, but in but a way it was genocide, and it's and it's a yeah. genocide that was carried out um, not based on, on what people looked like mm. or what their religion was, you know, but a lot of it was about why people are they perceived as not having a religion mm. uh, and and carried out against those that they were that had, had this set of politics mm. whether they are members of the Indonesian Communist Party or a member of a trade union mm-hmm. um, you know those feminist groups got, you know women's groups, yeah. Um, you know, really, really quite benign, yeah. um, you know, left leaning, social democratic mm. sort of things, mm. um, got you murdered and murdered in the hundreds of thousands. Yep. And it's still, Indonesia is, um, still trying to, um, grapple mm. with, with that historic past and mm. to the point that they like to sort of forget about that it even happened. Mm. Um, that's, that's quite amazing. But we also have the lessons of, um, you know, I mean, Shay is, is, is an interesting one, uh. When you look at the radicalism that was going on in the in the Third World, and instead of going to embrace building mass parties and mass movements like which we've seen now in our, in our lifetime, um, back then it was um, all you needed was a small group of determined guys hmm. with guns. To well, I, don't know, I don't a know. I don't you know all
0: of his biography, and um, I'm not an expert on Latin America. But my understanding is that he had been a participant. Or had been a supporter of the Arbenz government in Guatemala, and he mm. had been living in Guatemala, yeah. and it was specifically his experience of the US-backed coup there that, yeah, that led him to con- to sort of the conclusion that yeah. actually we have to arm and we have to sort of be clandestine and everything. Mm. So, um, but that that was you know basically contingent on the spe- the specific history of Latin America. You know,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I sort of yeah, I hear that, but at the same time I think well. It's kind of a yes/no. You know what I mean? Like, I think, on one hand, it's a cop-out. Like, all it means is that yeah, some of your activities are going to have to go become clandestine. Mm. But this idea that you have to go out and arm yourself to bring about uh, change is Mm. is crazy. uh, Because we we have seen like left-wing governments elected in in South America and elsewhere, where there's you know they've been toppled or Mm. whatever. There's Mm. been uh, civil unrest that has been mm. orchestrated or whatever it's, but you just have to keep organising yeah. in, in the various spaces and if, it's as long as your main game is still in the cities and the community you know, that's that's where you bring about power it's yeah. not running off to the jungles yeah. like. and
0: there's a new dynamic now because the US like US empire is not what it was yeah, it's true. and um, doesn't necessarily have the won't, won't for the next say century necessarily have the capacity to do what it did in the 20th century Yeah, yeah. but yeah I mean like Indonesia is another example where like the lesson Listen, can't be anything other than you should arm at some point I Mm. think because the PKI was told by by Mao to arm and they were like no thanks we're not going to we're happy um, working with uh, Sakano, which they were doing very well and they had really no reason to think otherwise that what was going to happen was going to happen because it came kind of out of nowhere Um, but because they refused to arm they had no there there was no no effort of self-defense. There's nothing they could do, and people went willingly to with with police and with the military and mm. even with um, the the Muslim youth gangs and everything um, to be killed, thinking that they would be treated and given treated well and given due process, you know. And then they were just like taken out and shot or strangled or whatever. Mm. So I don't know. I think that uh, we're not organising in that time period and in those in that objective situation in any way. But mm. um, I think that. There's something to be said for um, for leftists when when you uh, when you're winning when you're doing well. Maybe you should arm in self defence. Yeah, I think I, not I, not aggressively. Yeah. Not I, I agree of, with that self defence. Yeah. yeah, actually, yeah. I mean
1: that's that's the key thing is yeah. is, is uh, yeah when you're doing well is probably the time to have very very good links with people who know. <laughs> yeah, how to shoot a gun or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I've never no, shot no, a, a gun but before. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're getting sort of, you know, the revolutionary theory stuff that's out there. I think the the more, not not that, it, you know, there's no like argument. The whole point is, like, we don't need to go and arm ourselves and, you know, get ready for the, you know, be fit. Mm. for the, Look, of course, be fit for the revolution. But mm. to like, it doesn't, change in society can take many forms, and it doesn't have to involve picking up a gun. Yeah. Ideally, you want to build a movement that's so big and so powerful that and it's so... Um, intimidates that um, and delegitimizes de- you know. de- the, the rules yeah. that they feel no confidence to actually carry out and persecute at some point they will all try to carry out a persecution but the whole point is is you want to be so big so powerful so influ- influential that all those you know people who are in the armed forces that have um, family and friends and all the rest of it who are normal human beings would be influenced by that mm. movement and refuse to turn their guns yeah. on or, or other ordinary people and that's really essentially what's happened when you look at the history of successful revolutionary mm. um upheavals and i mean you know, that's how we can describe like you know what get what rid of um you know state capitalism in, in eastern europe um i mean other than the ridiculous really horribly um brutally put down uh well attempts to put down the, the revolutions in um uh bulgaria um you know, in hungary for mm. yeah you know not much like you know when they talk about the um peaceful transition in, in Germany and East Germany and Czech, you know Czech Republic and all the rest of it but yeah anyway we're going off on mm. different tangents here, which is cool um. which is fine this is what we like to do at Go <laughs> Capital uh, we're going all a little bit international but uh, look Bolivia really exciting should be inspired by it there's we, one read, thing yeah go um, out and read some more and listen to some um, mm. really cool things or listen to look, watch some good YouTube mm. um, things on it
0: but actually no like to what you were just saying about um, about growing a mass movement and being a mass party uh, as well Um, that reminds me of something that I've been seeing a lot of people talking about in their their reactions, you know, online um, columnists and people on Twitter or whatever Um, this, like, liberal idea that what the lesson we should all take from Bolivia is is that uh, you can vote out fascism, guys you know, like uh, um, because Americans think that everything is um, everything that they see all culture and all um, all history is like directed towards America, and t- mm. you know because they're the subject of history. Um, that they view it as this like lesson about the forthcoming U.S. election, right? And, and the lesson is um, if everybody just wants there to not be fascism hard enough, then they'll vote for that. Which is to say, they'll vote for anything in order to vote against a bad, per- a, you know, a bad option. Um, but in reality, I would say, uh, firstly, if if you think that it just really demonstrates that you haven't given a shit about Bolivia at all up until two days ago, yeah, um, and that you have been completely ignorant of the the reality of the social movement underneath MAS, and the, because it's I mean it's called the pipe's called movement, it's kind of yeah, in the name, but. The, the violence, the, the demonstrations, the riots um, in Bolivia since the installation of the coup government last year. Mm. Um, because what the election in Bolivia on the weekend really represented was the restoration of the actual order. Yeah. The actual social order in Bolivia. Yeah, that people you know, as could actually um, in the electoral n- not
1: have to illegally organise. Yeah. I mean, I, look, that's the, the thing I'm inspired. Mm. One of the things I find inspiring about Mars was their ability to continue to organize in the face of authoritarianism yeah. and and then sort of like you know yeah you know being clandestine but also at the same time being incredibly brave mm. and building uh, movements in communities and in workplace you know mm. that that's us that's that's how they did mm. that but I mean that yeah that point you're making like the the sort of silliness of us smaller liberals who, I mean, we have to call them smaller liberals, and us being an Australian program, because <laughs> mm. <laughs> because our, unfortunately our main conservative um, party uh, calls themselves liberals. We know they're not, but anyway, um, the thing about that that sort of viewpoint, like oh yes, uh, you need to vote out you know, mm. the very, you know, you've lost an argument when you call someone a fascist without actually being really understanding what fascism is. Mm. That's that's one point, but the next point is. Do they even understand their own electoral system? If you've got US liberals mm. talking about the US electoral system, it's like, mate, that it's the parties are pseudo state structures. They're, yeah. they're not not like you and I uh, understand as a political yeah. party, which is you pay a membership fee, yeah. you turn up to meetings, you do stuff for a yeah. party, right? You choose to belong to the party. Whereas in uh, the US, you choose to register your support for a particular brand, right? Mm. Which is... um it's effectively pseudo, a corporation. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, basically. It's pseudo-democratic. Yeah. It's basically different oligarchies in every... It's actually, if you think about it, it's, it's kind of like dealing with the New South Wales branch of the ALP. <laughs> but uh, I digress. But um,
0: but yeah, no. Yeah. So, I mean, the point being, uh, people didn't vote, quote-unquote, vote against fascism. Yeah. Like, they voted for us not because mass is like uh the the non-fascist option or because um even not even because they they like it as a party right mass is elected because that because like they are the the people right yeah it's like they vote for mass because they are mass like that like it's a it's a party that actually represents the majority of the people and it it even involves the majority Mm. of the people yeah. in the in the country yes. it's a mass movement a mass base party
1: yeah mass participation mm. which is something um we strongly support and think we we need to have more and mm. more in this country is is party politics which is is more about movement making and it being uh, symbiotic um rather than uh, uh, i think in australia we often see you know when there are movements around thing um political parties often get caricatured, whether rightly or wrongly as um kind of parasites on it um really what you need a healthy democracy and uh, what we need in australia is a healthy democracy where political parties are seen as you know having a really relevant and important role in terms of those movements, in terms of moving them forward um but also respect those movements that are in part of them you know mm. rather than rather than the other um it's been very interesting you know you just reminded me of some things that have gone on in recent years where you'll go to protest for various things and you'll get some people who don't want any politicians or political party people there and they don't just don't get it, like, or vice versa. You know, you'll have parliamentary people who don't want to go to rallies or protests or things like that because they think that that's not their, you know, oh, that's not my role. It's like, mm-hmm. how can it but be your role to engage with people in the community? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that comes down to people's view about, is politics about, uh, you know, not doing very much and filling any ballot paper every couple of years or is there a lot more to it mm. I think we know which side of the ledger we'd prefer to see
0: yep. but uh, yeah looking forward to our next episode um, I hope you are too uh, we'll be talking to Amy Haddad about the ACT election it's going to be great um, anything else?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, we'll probably have some controversies as well because it won't be just Jacob and I, um, and I uh, agreeing with each other. Because that's true. Uh, you know, Amy's got some of your own ideas, we're on our own people. But I mean, Jacob sees it as a as a win for the left. I, I actually just see it as a win for progressive politics. I don't think I think the left lost in the ACT. Well, oh, that's but fair. We can, yeah, we can, yeah, okay, we can, we can talk about it. that. But I mean, you
0: know, um, I don't think I don't think I necessarily yeah, disagree. Yeah. I mean, actually, yeah, it's going to be Biffo on the show. Yeah, it's going to be clickbait. It's going to be dramatic. <laughs> Yeah, here we go. Oh, is, are we gonna stick together? Or are we, yeah. Is the show gonna break up? You'll yeah. have to tune in next time. You will on Doe Capital.